0: this week mark benioff says scared money don't make money he puts down 15 billion to acquire tableau we talk about it next welcome to the a-game an adcom podcast each week we bring together four of our finest minds for a candid conversation on what's new what's now and what's next in the world of media marketing and technology. My name is Jim Ganzer, VP of Media and Acquisition here at AdCom. Joining me for this week's discussion are Account Director Jeff Culliton. Hello, my friend. Digital Specialist Hope Ho.
1: Hello, my friend.
0: And Senior <laughs> Digital Strategist Morgan Rooks.
2: Hello, my friends.
0: <laughs> Welcome back everyone to the program, our very first in the newly renovated space. This is extraordinarily exciting. It's been a long road. It it's been quite the journey and fruitful. Yeah, and, and we've earned we've earned the nice space.
2: You might say that we're too legit
0: Oof. to yeah. quit. We will not quit.
1: <laughs>
0: no, we will not, MC Hammer. Anybody out there that didn't get the reference of too legit to quit, please turn off the podcast.
2: <laughs>
1: oh. Well right now. Yes. Absolutely. Or don't we need all the listeners we can get. We don't need anything. <laughs>
0: We got everything we need right here. All we need is this lamp. I completely agree with that. (laughs) I love lamp. Although, we don't do this for ourselves. We do it for the people. For the people, for the masses. This is a show for the people. By some people. (laughs) By four people. (laughs) Wow. We're off to a great start. So, this week, we're actually going to be combing through some recent marketing technology mergers and acquisition news items in search of meaning. So, with our... (laughs) Our brain trust here, I'm sure that we can come to some conclusions that are going to be helpful for the good people out
3: there. I get the feeling, like, by Hope's laughter, she doesn't think that you can find meaning.
0: Well, it's not up to me. I'm no, really. no, 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 I,
3: I <laughs> brought <laughs> no, no, the, royal, royal,
1: the royal the royal we
3: within mergers and acquisitions. I beg to differ.
1: Mm. Well, well mer-
0: mergers and acquisitions sound, like, really... A. Yeah,
1: M-N-A. it's M-N-A. not quite
0: M-N-A. i mean, some of the stuff is just, like, we have intentions to purchase. Should we just go through the list? Yes. Yeah, we'll let's just start. Let's we'll hit that yes. list. Jump right, let's right let's into hit the it. list. The here's the hit list. We got about 5 that I want to talk about and then we can um we can pick our spots where we feel like um, there's a little bit more interest in in opinion that we want to dive into. So, number 1, Salesforce acquired data visualization giant Tableau this week. Uh, a company with more than 86,000 current clients. And uh, for the bargain basement price of about fifteen point seven billion dollars, the, the
3: poultry, yeah, some,
0: you know, very pedestrian total. So that that's big, right? Um, and last week, Alphabet, which is Google's parents, it, it, it announced that it plans to pay only two point six billion, mm-hmm. bargain, f- for another um, BI platform, data visualization platform, by the name of Looker. So we got two on data visualization for anybody keeping score at home. Two weeks ago, LinkedIn acquired cross-device matching software company Drawbridge, um, which at first glance was a bit of a head-scratcher for a lot of people because it seems like they two do two very different things. Mm. Um, and then we've got Amazon that just signed an agreement to acquire Seismic's ad server as well as their dynamic creative optimization platform, their DCO. So that's pretty interesting. Makes you wonder what's going on with their ambition towards the Googles and Facebooks of the world. And then lastly today, one of the things that popped up was Business Insider and eMarketer are coming together.
3: That's interesting.
0: So that's only five. Mm -hmm. But I feel like over the past couple of months, just in the data visualization software, there's been at least five total Mm -hmm. acquisitions going on. So what's in the water? Jeff, which of these five kind of stands out to you? What, what do you find the most
3: intriguing? Uh, well, I, f- from an intrigue standpoint, uh, Seismic. Um, I think Amazon buying Seismic to, we've talked about this before on the show, that they have the single um, largest consumer purchase data set that's ever existed. And so their ability to sell ads against that data is unprecedented even for Google or Facebook. Um, So I think that one's really big. The other thing that stood out to me was the number that Salesforce paid for Tableau. And the reason it stood out is because it's, I think it's a multiplier of three bigger than the biggest acquisition they've ever had. And so I think To your point, 86,000 customers is hard to pass up, but I think it it signals um, kind of a place that we're at in software where we've spent 10 years, give or take, in being able to ingest more and more and more. And now I think we're getting to the point where uh, brands and agencies are looking and saying, so we've got all of it. What does it mean? Um, so I think we're, we're maybe pivoting into a spot where um, understanding the data is um, starting to outpace just ingesting it um, and making it tangible for, you know, not just the, the deepest of analytics people, but a broader organization. So those two things really stick out to me. I think the seismic one is, is big. Seismic, if you will.
2: Oh. oh, that's so bad. I am a dad. No. Give it to me. I'm not touching that. No. No.
0: No. You're on your own on that one. Hope. Hope. <laughs> what kind
2: of? I wish you would have said that out loud. <laughs> which
0: Which of the five that we we rattled through kind of stuck out for you?
1: Um, I agree with Jeff's assessment of seismic. I think that's definitely really interesting. Um, all that consumer data is going to flow into that DCO so flawlessly. Flawlessly. And then the ads that they'll be able to spit out are going to be so personalized, it'll be such a good user experience and really beef up the advertising um, stack that Amazon is slowly acquiring. I also think that Google's acquisition is super interesting. Um, Looker is like a data cloud computing software, from what I understand, and I think that makes Google a little bit more competitive with like Amazon and Microsoft because Microsoft has Azure mm-hmm. and Amazon has AWS, Correct. right? Yep. Yeah. So I think that's super interesting. Well, and
3: interestingly enough, AWS now for Amazon is potentially big enough. It's a ho- over 100 uh, billion in revenue a year. Yeah, it is yeah. potentially big enough to be spun out as its own company. Right, and the need for cloud computing and, yeah. and you know that that level of scalability is not going down.
1: But then, for, as far as uh, Microsoft's Azure product, I think that they recently were named like the best cloud computing software mm-hmm. out of all of them in the market right now. So I think if Google is trying to get into that space and increase their capabilities, I think they have a pretty hard time hard go of it ahead for them well
3: what we're talking about here from a valuation perspective of these companies so this flip-flops quite a bit uh between a few companies but amazon overtook apple um and microsoft each of which was has held the uh uh, the most valuable uh public company moniker uh Mm -hmm. over the last couple of years uh amazon jumped back up into that position um uh, I think it was yesterday or two days ago. So there's just this massive influx of resources on all of these organizations' sides. And at some point, you got to do something with the cash outside of just being like, this is my go-to-market strategy to try and take on. You can't just hold it. And so for you know, $2 billion for Alphabet or Google, that mm-hmm. really means less than it, it sounds. But
0: Okay, I'm going to go back to Amazon real quick and engage Morgan on this one, um, because I like to get everybody involved. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, somebody's been talking a lot, that's all I'm saying, and it hasn't been me. (laughs) No, but uh, all kidding aside, so Amazon is essentially acquiring an ad server. Mm It's like what's the benefit for Amazon in acquiring an ad server with a essentially a, a creative optimization tool? They've already got all this this purchase data. Like what's in it for them? What what's the immediate opportunity there?
2: So, yeah, that's actually where I've been really interested in that side. The DCO is obviously really interesting, but for me, looking at Amazon acquiring an ad server is really much more interesting. If you look at the market about eight years ago, we had a lot more ad servers out there. We had DoubleClick, which is still around. Um, We had MediaMind, which is now Seismic, uh, Flash Talking, and Atlas. And uh, Atlas was kind of struggling in the background, and it was acquired by Microsoft. Microsoft didn't do anything with it. And then Facebook acquired it from Microsoft. And ultimately, Facebook wasn't able to turn a profit on it either and it slowly uh, shut its doors. So now we have a situation where Seismic has been in some severe trouble and Amazon comes in and takes it. And the question is, will it be a competitor to Google? I think what's in it for Amazon is that using an ad server gives you a deeper level of attribution that you don't have without using an ad server. I think I remember reading that Amazon currently only has a 14-day attribution window, which is pretty small, but valid for their particular you know, format for the way that Amazon works. Mm-hmm. If they're going to expand outwards with their DSP, they're going to need a deeper level of, of attribution integration, and that's something that Seismic is going to offer.
0: Going back to uh, <laughs> that was that was a uh,
3: it's an exceptional answer. Yeah,
0: that was that was some. some I was schooling just right staring there.
3: at her, thinking to myself, "I get to work with her <laughs> all the time. <laughs> it's amazing." Wow, the hits
0: keep coming. <laughs> <laughs> my God, It's actually a true oh, statement. <laughs> I'm sorry. I should have leaned away when I laughed. <laughs> inside joke. Inside joke. Uh, going back to the, the, the cloud computing, uh, I think it's a really interesting avenue um, because at first pass, you know, when you think about data visualization, you don't necessarily group it together with cloud computing. But I did have some numbers to share with regard to like market. Uh, overall just to give you a, a sense of where Google really sits so 32 percent of the the cloud computing market goes to Amazon uh, about 13.7 goes to Microsoft so I mean those are pretty solid shares for the most part and then Google's at about 7.6 percent so here's my question for Jeff how does looker help Google grow their Cloud computing share.
3: I honestly, I when I when something like this happens, I think of either one of two things. It is it's either a, they're an acquisition grab of talent that they think can take them to the next level. Looker's got exceptional engineers, um, or there's a piece of their platform that's cheaper to buy than build for Google. And I, I frankly don't know the answer to it, but. Um, it's it's an area in, in technology that everybody sees as a growth mechanism and it's an area that Google's lagged behind. Um, so obviously in the due diligence, I'm sure they've found something that they say, we can take this piggyback it on our name and our brand and our global scale and maybe make something bigger into it than, than Looker could have.
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting when you, you start to look at the trends with regard to uh, the marketplace for data visualization software. Uh, I believe back in August they had estimated the market at being about 166 billion. Okay. Um, by 2022, it's supposed to hit 260 billion. So we're talking about a compounded average growth rate of about 11.9 percent. And <laughs> Did you look do her, that math on the fly? Yeah, That was in absolutely. your Absolutely, good job. Absolutely. Exactly 0. 0.9. <laughs> <laughs> no I wrote I wrote the note down
2: hashtag media
0: <laughs> hashtag note all um, hashtag media math. but lookers <laughs> actually growing at about 70% so wow. they are growing substantially so perhaps the trend towards data visualization business intelligence software puts them in a position where they're kind of catching a wave I mean it's a small wave yeah because it's a new company but um, reasonably new i mean it's not as they're not as entrenched as a tableau is Mm -hmm. in the marketplace but they're able to potentially jump into a software that solves for a lot of the things that tableau does but the belief is it's a lot easier to operate the tool it's quicker Uh, which our you know our director of of analytics joe hannum uh, defended the fact that tableau is actually pretty easy but between you know us, us four chickens, you know. It, it took a little <laughs> it took a little time for me to get
3: used to it. Here's a, the, the visualization piece. Yeah. To create a visualization, I agree, um, but isn't it the hard part is the data modeling in the background? Like, in order for people without deep analytic ability or insight to be able to look at a data set and derive anything is like impossible, right? You can't look at a sp- I – I can't look at a spreadsheet and say it means this, it means this. The bringing it to life in in pictures and visualization is to help mm-hmm. it become more layman. Is that – I mean, it's how you guys use it, isn't it? Correct, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot more deep diving you would have to do with a spreadsheet versus a, a visualization tool.
3: Hmm. Yeah, for sure. But that's for everybody. Yeah. I mean, that's that, – that's, I think that's why it's got so much upside is normalizing what is really hard stuff to digest is a problem for everybody. Like that's hard for just everybody to do and so it it has a much bigger addressable market in my opinion. Somebody else paid 15.7 billion dollars to have the same opinion.
0: Yeah, their their valuation for for Tableau that's is big, like man. 3 billion.
1: Yeah. Is, do you guys think that that is way too much to pay for Tableau? So,
0: it's popular opinion. I mean, yeah. my opinion probably doesn't matter
3: very much on that question. Mark Benioff is going to be like, like, Jesus, it's on it's this like, episode what? of the A game, they said I
2: overpaid. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Ganser I, said
0: no. I Oh, it. I'm a fool. <laughs>
2: Damn. So I think the interesting buy thing another is magazine. That It's it's pretty obvious what – Salesforce users will get out of them the buy, right? Like they're going to get Tableau, they're going to get this data visualization that's really awesome, but what's in it for Tableau users? I feel like the hard sell is going to be coming to to start using Salesforce instead of other, you know, other SaaS platforms. And you know, what does that mean for that level of integration between Tableau and other competitor platforms?
3: That was one of the things when Microsoft bought LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, Microsoft and Salesforce were in, in a competitive bid for LinkedIn. And it was, uh, how are we going to mobilize all this very actionable business social data? Um, and I th- I might be wrong, but I, th- I think there was a competitive bid. I don't know it to be Microsoft on this acquisition as well. But there's only a couple of these companies that can outlay this cat. Well, this was an all stock transaction, but can outlay in this fashion to get to the next level. And part of me thinks that the overpaying is that is like, I have it. Somebody else is going to get it. If I don't, we got to, maybe we, we know there's a use case. We don't hundred percent know exactly how it's going to go to market, but we got to be there.
0: Is it potentially a defensive purchase?
2: It's John F. Kennedy's golf clubs. <laughs>
3: We bought John F. Kennedy's golf clubs. Who is that? Is it elk Baldwin? It
2: was an episode of Seinfeld.
3: There was something. But Look how perplexed Hope is. She has no <laughs> idea what's going on here. She's uh, currently asleep.
1: I'm not asleep, just for the record. <laughs> but I don't watch Seinfeld. Sorry.
3: I also don't watch Seinfeld, but that's neither here nor there. But yeah, I mean, it very much could be. That's.
2: I think it's a good. It's it. It's a valid thought process. Ultimately, we'll never really know what the thought process behind it was. But. I think
3: in in a year I might be able to report back, but one of my clients is an independent user of both tools. And so I'm very interested to see what the sales approach from the new organization looks like uh, over the next year as they start to come together. Hmm.
0: So do you feel like this is more of a, a a tech acquisition or a team acquisition?
3: I think this is a it's two things. It's a tech acquisition and it's a a book of business acquisition. Um, Salesforce is a machine from a sales organization standpoint. Um, But if you have, you know, the first thing they do is they say, here's our customers, here's your customers, and they map them together. And then they put teams in place to to co-sell the lot of it. So the more things that they can sell to you, the stickier Mm -hmm. they are. Um, So, I mean, that's... I think I think it's probably those two things uh, in in a lot of respects. Eighty six thousand customers—that's a lot, man. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, good point. Good for them.
0: Yeah, you know it. You know it seems like a team acquisition, the Drawbridge acquisition by LinkedIn. So, um, for those that aren't familiar with Drawbridge, really what they did is cross device mapping. They were part of a, a broader offering that included media services. They sold that off to Gimbal, I believe, last year and um, they kind of simplified their model. But they are heavily reliant on cookies and, and fingerprints in order to match back for the most part. And we talked a few weeks ago about the changes with Chrome and how it's going become a lot easier for people to opt out of cookies, and they're basically in the third party game. So it makes you wonder, it's like, what's going on with LinkedIn? They've got this giant database of first party and then they're bringing in this, you know, drawbridge, and I, I guess what they're trying to do is connect the dots because when if you look at the way that LinkedIn operates in terms of ad products, the most of the engagement that they get is actually through mobile. It's probably about 90% mobile, but it's disproportionately high in terms of conversion actions, which is you know their bread and butter because they're in the B2B space. Actual conversion events through their ad products are happening on desktop. So, this becomes a way if they can find a way to bridge the gap between uh, you know the the whole attribution conversation, they can basically put them in in a better position to validate the tools as they try to go after the you know the face it sounds stupid to say going after Facebook because
2: <laughs> Yeah. Are, are, they able to, are they able to validate?
3: Is it, is it like a, a yes or no scenario, like these two devices are linked to one another or is it like a kind of a correlation of we, we're 50% sure that you know, this is the same user? It's more
0: correlation. Okay. So it, they're doing more mapping on it, but a lot of their data points are, are getting erased so mm. this feels like a situation where they're like, hey, we got a bunch of smart people, we can acquire these people, they can start connecting the dots for us. Mm. Because it seems like their product got really stripped down over the past year or so. so but that's, that's just my hot take on it, which is not really that hot. It's more like lukewarm or room temperature. Room temperature take. I'm known for room temperature takes. Yeah,
3: They're useful though.
0: They're, they're very practical, but <laughs> not exciting.
1: Just regular opinions. You yeah.
3: should then. wear a coat. <laughs> Could be chilly later. <laughs> Jim Ginn's a recommendation.
2: As far as LinkedIn goes, and I hope you can back me up or correct me if you feel differently, but I often feel like running campaigns on LinkedIn are very hard to scale, right? So this could actually be a play to take all that rich first party data they have and monetize it outside of the platform in you know in a dsp or or elsewhere because you know they got to make money somehow Mm -hmm. and when people are reluctant to buy on linkedin because they can't scale their campaigns they need to figure out a new way to monetize
1: yeah i was thinking the exact same thing because there's a uh, data vendor called dun and broad street and there's a duns number associated with every single business and similarly i think linkedin has a product where a lot of people identify and it's very rich first-party data if they can monetize that in the same way that Dun Bradstreet can or does I think that'd be super valuable a different layer of validity for mm-hmm. people looking for business segments yeah
2: I mean I don't know what this number is but I people don't tend to visit LinkedIn every day I think there's a small segment of the population that does mm-hmm. but people tend to go to LinkedIn with a purpose or yeah. an intention, and it's not like Facebook or Twitter where you might mindlessly browse it on a daily basis. So, in order to really be able to reach those targeted audiences of, you know, C suites or you know yeah. specific business types that you're looking for, you need to be able to scale out into the open web.
3: Jim, you uh, you mentioned, and I'm I'm not expecting you to parrot them back, but you mentioned us- the usage numbers on LinkedIn versus the other platforms, Instagram, Facebook, are multiple times daily. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn was like weekly.
0: Well, if, if you look at their daily usage, it's, it's probably about 15 to 17% of LinkedIn users use it on a daily basis. Yeah, You know, those that use it on a daily basis tend to use it,
2: because you know, with,
0: with frequency. Mm-hmm. But then again, you got to think about, like, the different classifications of professionals, like salespeople that are actively prospecting or spend a lot more time
1: there. Recruiters. And recruiters. Yeah, yeah.
0: recruiters have spent a lot more time there. Um, you know, I going back to like the room temperature takes, <laughs> I, when, I, when I think about B2B marketing, it's like, hey, the, the obvious thing that pops up, oh, let's go on LinkedIn, we, we, you know, these are professionals. LinkedIn does not, I'm, I'm sorry, but it doesn't work very well. <laughs> it doesn't work very well. I mean, you might get great percentages. It's like, oh, my conversion rate is really high, but it's like, who cares if there's five? It's like 25 oh, percent conversion rate. I'm five. Who cares?
2: <laughs> my frequency was fifty times.
0: <laughs> yeah, fifty times. Wow. Look campaign, at look at the engagement with costs this one person. $3, it's like come on, man. Yeah, your conversion like is
2: like fifty thousand dollars. Sorry,
0: Facebook works. Face work. Face work. Face work. Face work is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Reset Facebook. and scene. <laughs> no, Facebook works. It works very well. And it's interesting now, thinking about how you might be able to do a little bit more mapping with with LinkedIn, with this acquisition of Drawbridge. But you know, the, the cynic inside of me thinks they're just going to find a way to validate that things that aren't converting are actually converting. It's like, oh, well, this is, you know three steps removed from the actual conversion event look at this view through type situation and i'm i'm not on board with it i just i feel like it's it's too restrictive
1: but with drawbridge i think that um the cross device capabilities will be a lot better so people who are on multiple devices that aren't just like logged into the linkedin browser or like linkedin on mobile i think that if you have an audience size of like ten thousand people, if you use cross-device capabilities from Drawbit, Drawbridge, you can maximize that to like twenty thousand or like twenty-five thousand devices overall, so that you're not just pigeonholed with their small audience size. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Morgan, are you buying any of this?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm not because it's shit. already bought.
3: Yeah. <laughs> See what she did there, Jeff. Uh huh. Yeah. She's a yeah. real she's a real sharp cookie. We're all lucky to be working with her. Golly. With
0: a long we,
2: uh, Am I a real sharp cookie with a long history? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Oh. Oh. You know what's nice, too, is
3: I can hear her more crystal clear <laughs> on our uh, on our new Mike's headphones, everything in this beautiful studio. It is a beautiful studio.
2: Live God. from the studio on Side. Yes. Six. It's so beautiful, good. rainy, Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. I almost
3: feel a little imposter syndrome, like it's too good, like what am I doing here? But then I just think about what Mike Paukst has done with this space, and I feel... You know, I feel feel real good inside.
0: I think we feel very comfortable here. Very
3: comfortable. Very comfortable. Maybe a little too
0: comfortable. Yeah, definitely too comfortable. <laughs> but that's you know just because I got my shirt off. I mean, what? No, I'm wearing a shirt. <laughs> Sorry. See what I mean? I do feel too comfortable to say. Something I do like enjoy
2: that. though that when Jim said that, I saw Mike's head pop up. <laughs> <laughs> Producer.
0: Um, <laughs>
1: this is still a business.
0: You know, I, I feel bad for the e-marketer business insider. Um, Why? You, nobody, no votes from us? Yeah, no votes.
1: Yeah, but uh, publishers. No ex- I mean, it's still well, interesting. In- I
2: don't feel like it's surprising.
1: No.
0: Well, e is not really a publisher. They they're aggregator of of um, data research.
1: Well, they also do publish a lot of.
0: Well, yeah, but I mean, it's not like <laughs> it's not publish like out. Yeah, they, pu- I mean, they publish out their findings, yeah. and now it's very templated.
1: E
2: marketer eMarketer is joining, like, the big leagues and, and, you know, being acquired by Business Insider, can we change the charts? Because they're just – I'm so tired of looking at those around. I will checked. say
3: they do have a poor aesthetic. You know, it it could be worse. You're right. It could it be absolutely worse. could be worse. It
0: you know, could be
2: if, better, though.
3: Could be better. I like black and red.
2: Of course you do. You're wearing it. I think
3: it. our web development teams <laughs> would tell you that red – Is a non-ideal color for web user experience, off-putting.
2: Also, if you're red-green colorblind or red-blue colorblind or whatever it is, there you go. Those charts are gonna, yeah. (laughs) You're
3: gonna make, you are gonna make judgments based off of completely inaccurate information.
0: (laughs) Okay, lightning round. Ooh. All right, back to the top five. If you had to pick one of the five that's going to have the biggest impact on marketers in the long term what which one would it be
3: ladies
1: Amazon buying seismic
2: I'm really torn between Amazon and uh Salesforce
3: I'm going Amazon buying seismic I think the next couple of years they're going to come out guns blazing those Amazonians
0: clearly it's business insider marketer you know I mean the the published product is going to be so much so much better
3: the reason, they might
0: they might print a magazine.
3: Here's oh. the, the reason I, I don't say Salesforce <laughs> is because blue and green. I know the leap that has to happen between somebody using it for a CRM and or, and or the other uh, pieces of the business and then turning that into actual actionable visualization. And, and that's I mean, a heavy lift.
1: Yeah. And realistically, even if there are like 82,000 Tableau users, if Tableau is that popular, then why don't more people use it?
2: Because I think people are intimidated.
1: And also, it's expensive.
2: But here's my thought straight up on Amazon. And I'm going to quote straight one of my favorite up. people. Straight up. Now tell Dolly me. Ah, you beat no. me to it. Taylor Swift. Oh, it's no. going to be forever, or it's going to go down in flames. Oof.
3: That's a hot take.
1: That's not a hot <laughs> take. <laughs> That's a hot take. That was like the whole entire thing with Atlas. Facebook That's exactly acquired what it is. Atlas. Yeah. And it was going to be a huge thing. But then it was basically nothing yeah. it was just like some basic reporting essentially yeah.
2: they they yeah it was retired atlas last year atlas was one of the best rated ad servers
1: and it was like a massive acquisition yeah. and everybody was like freaking out about it and it just fizzled out i think yeah. facebook tried to flopped. transform
2: it into something more than an ad server and it just yeah completely fizzled out and went away and google has really not Made any large changes to DoubleClick over the years, aside from maybe changing the name a couple of times. <laughs> Shout out if you remember Dart. People. Woo! Oh. Uh, that was
0: my first experience with an ad server.
1: Right? <laughs> oh wow!
2: You know how old you know how old school people are if they still refer to it as Dart. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it well, it'll be interesting to see if people actually switch over from from uh, Google to Seismic, or if people still stay with Seismic.
0: I think I think Google is up to something with, with the Looker acquisition and and I gotta believe that based on the stack that they already control that this is just gonna put them a step ahead. I know that Amazon is surging forward and, and trying to challenge Google, but they are mighty and they've got <laughs> they've got huge, huge stack of marketing tools and resources. Yeah, they're not in the cloud Game like like Amazon is right now, but they do have a you know a, a fast growing upstart BI tool now.
3: So I think the, one of the things we might be seeing is at a higher level is acquisitions. It's just, people are going through acquisitions. People aren't building product. It's a race from an acquisition standpoint to be the biggest, so that you're now defensible against the other you know titans in the industry. Acquisitions <laughs> will continue.
1: Yeah, I wanna give a shout out to Google for going out and acquiring Looker, even in the midst of a DOJ investigation. That was pretty ballsy, I think.
3: That's a hot take.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We might have have to go out on that one. (laughs) I (laughs) might have to go on that one. So, uh, you know, if if you like what you've heard, and I'm sure you did, you're very welcome. Uh, You can find us on Apple you can find us on Stitcher and SoundCloud or you can click to subscribe and we'll find you. That's how it works. You don't have to go find you. We'll find you. You don't have to do any of that finding. And if you got questions or suggestions or you care to share, you know where to find us, it's right? It's
3: the little gift that keeps on giving the push notification with that little A-game logo yeah. that comes through when a new episode Absolutely. comes up. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. My heart flutters.
0: Tweet at us at the A-game podcast. Um, you could always follow Adcom's channels as well. Um, but uh, until next time hopefully our friend Joel will be able to stop by the studio pay which us a one, visit which one's Joel um,
2: he's one of the other white guys that's on this podcast Okay,
0: wow See? it's low blow we're more than just white guys
2: we're you're people. pretty fly
0: you are pretty fly pretty fly for a white guy we're doing a lot of <laughs> a lot of music references this week and um that's Offspring one of Jeff's favorite bands so until next time don't talk about it be about it Jeff
3: scared money don't make money that's right (laughs)